0: This podcast was produced by RFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air. You are listening to the Renality on RFM. Kia ora, everyone. My name is Arina, and thank you for tuning in on RFM for my podcast, The Arinality. The Arinality is a platform for women with international backgrounds on their cultural identities, belonging, and well-being in Aotearoa. In this episode, we have Hannah G, an Irish New Zealander who is passionate about doing henna, writing poetry, and civil rights. Hi, Hannah. Kia ora, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, would you mind introducing yourself? Like Arina said,
1: I'm Hannah G. I'm 20 and I'm in my final, hopefully what is going to be my final year of my Bachelor of Arts studying History and English. Um, I re- really love like music and writing poetry, like Arena said, and writing other sorts of Um, fiction, my goal one day is to eventually write a novel um, or a series of children's books.
0: Yeah. That is wonderful and I think you're in the right path anyway because you're doing English English and History, English and History eh? and
1: I do creative writing papers, so... Yeah. Yeah.
0: So tell me about your cultural background being Irish New Zealander.
1: Well, my mother's a Kiwi and my father's Irish when my father was... 21 he came to New Zealand on a whim and met my mother and got married so they moved back to Ireland and had me and my brother and we lived in England for two years as well before we moved here when I was four so um growing up I I have grown up in New Zealand we've been back to Ireland um three times for about at least a month a month and a half each time And I see my grandparents about once a year. Um, My dad's whole family lives in Ireland and my mum's whole family lives in New Zealand. So, yeah, it's always been odd having these two cultural identities because quite understandably when people see me and they hear my voice, they just kind of assume that... Like, I am a New Zealander, but they just assume that New Zealand is all there is to my family and it's quite understandable that they do. But um, it, I've always had that other cultural identity as well. And when I go back to Ireland and, I, and people hear me talk, they go, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from right down the road.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's where my grandparents are. But, it, again, it is quite understandable that they do that. But, um, yeah, no, one of my earliest memories of New Zealand is people not, is my classmates not being able to understand my dad because he has a really thick regional accent. Mm. And I had an English accent at the time, so our family was a bit of a mixed bag. (laughs) And, um, no, I can remember having to, like, basically translate for my classmates what my dad was saying, because he'd just get blank stares
0: like being multicultural that that is one of the challenges as well. Like yeah. language barrier. It's not even a barrier It's, it's not like, even a language b- like yeah. we speak
1: English. Yeah, My, um Irish is not really spoken much. Um you learn it in school, but obviously I came here before I went to school. Mm. And um people speak it as their first language on the west of Ireland, but not in the Midlands where I'm from So um yeah, like it's not even a language barrier. It's just not Understanding the accent, mm. and again with my grandfather, his accent was a, is the same as my dad's, but it's a lot stronger. Mm. And so, even when I was little, I'd struggle understanding him over the phone because we had really bad landlines. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, you just kind of sit there going, ha,
0: yeah, yeah, ha, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, Aww. no, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, that must have been the whole yeah. conversation.
1: <laughs> this is about the whole conversation, which just Granddad chatting, and we go, ha, 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 mm-hmm. ha,
0: ha, ha. and he must have been excited though to talk to oh, you. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. And like
1: when when we would talk in person, it was it was much easier. Like you'd had, we had to listen because obviously, when you're away from him for a year and you only hear him through the landline, it was quite hard to go back to that. But we could understand him. It's just like. Over the landline, it became so much harder, especially when we were really little. And especially, like, my brother was only eight months old when we moved here. So he'd only grown up with my dad's accent, really.
0: I remember that we once talked about St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And um, because... Because I came here and we don't have like St. Patrick's Day in Malaysia. So what I saw St. Patrick's Day was in New Zealand is the students wearing green and like partying all day. Yeah, and that kind of is what St. Patrick's Day in Ireland is as well.
1: But, um, and you know, don't get me wrong, people are welcome to drink, have a good time. Please do, please enjoy it. But um, yeah, it's it, it's a national holiday in Ireland it's commemorating our patron saint, St. Patrick, or in Irish his name is Porrick. Um, and basically he's the—he's not the first Christian missionary to come to Ireland, but he was the first really successful Christian missionary. And there's a legend about him um, banishing the snakes from Ireland, which didn't actually happen. Snakes is an allegory for pagans. Um <laughs> And yeah, so he's he's the patron saint and so it's celebrating him, celebrating Irish identity and, and um, yeah, it's, it's a national holiday, no one works, there are parades in every single town, decorations start going up at the start of March and it's just, um, I've never actually been in Ireland for St Patrick's Day, which is a bit of a shame, mm. but um, I was there... The start of March last time I was over, and I and already you could see all the flags being put up in the town and stuff, and it's just, yeah, no, I come from a really small town in Ireland, like it's really really small. A lot of people who live in Ireland haven't heard of it, but um, even that town will have a parade.
0: Yeah. I think it's important for us to know the history and the background of Saint Patrick's Day. Yeah. Uh instead of just doing it for the drinking and the party. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: like I said before, you're welcome to drink and party. Please do have a good time. Mm. But um no, it's it is a bit odd people not under, not knowing what they're celebrating and just Celebrating as a, as a excuse
0: to celebrate. Yeah, um, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really eye-opening for me, myself, because it brought me a new perspective of what actually St. Patrick is, from an Irish New Zealander, you know? Yeah. I kind of want people to know about like the, how we met. So, yeah, yeah we, I, I think I've seen you around in, like, yeah. um, Muslim students' events, but we finally talked and, like, really get to yeah, know each other well, in we one fo- of the Yeah, we events. follow
1: each other on Instagram yeah. and stuff, and, like, we, kn- kn- we knew each other on social media, Yeah. Um, but we didn't actually know each other yeah. until uh, um, a Muslim sisters' event mm. um, started this year. I, I went, I'm not Muslim myself. Um, like I said, my family's Protestant, but I've never really been that religious um and but most of my friends like lots of my friends are religious not lots of my friends are muslim um a lot of people on the exec comi- committee for musa are my friends so um i go basically just to hang out with my friends yeah and yeah i know know was there having a talk
0: yeah uh that was for the ladies chocolate event and
1: So, yeah, Musa is open if you want to learn more about Islam. It's a really good place to go because I I knew what I knew wasn't right because I knew it was shaped by media, but I didn't know what bits weren't right and what bits were right. I didn't have a clear idea until I went, until one of my, my Muslim friends invited me down to the mosque for Ramadan two years ago, and then I started going to Musa events, and
0: I started doing henna, and, yeah... Yeah, you mentioned Hannah. So uh, at the event, uh, Hannah actually brought the her Hannah tubes. <laughs> She's like, "Do yeah. you want me to put it on you?" So I got so excited. So we did it that night. Yeah. So can you tell us what is Hannah and how is it? How funny is it that you're Hannah and you're passionate about doing Hannah?
1: Yeah. Um. I wish I could claim that pun but my my Instagram by the way for my henna account is henna g117 I wish I could claim credit but my father told me the name of that (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah um, henna is a paste derived from a plant with a natural dye and you use essential oils and things to draw out that dye and make it into like a really nice um, paste that you can used to do drawings on people basically. And the stain I've just started making my own cones, um with henna powder I got from America. Um unfortunately it's too cold to grow henna in Dunedin. <laughs> and I don't have a glass house. So um <laughs> this stain I only put on a the stain I've got on in my hand at the moment I only put on uh three days ago. Um so I'm not sure how long it will completely stay for and I will be updating that on my Instagram. But it should stay for about 2 weeks and it will fade a bit it will fade a good bit between then. But um yeah no it's it's really fun. It's like uh a child
0: tattoo. Yeah, it's basically a temporary <laughs> yeah, tattoo. Yeah, it's a
1: temporary tattoo and um it's it's just really fun to wear. It's really um it's really pretty you can do different styles like you can do floral or mandala or like yeah Mm. it's just it's a really good way of expressing yourself and um it's it's quite therapeutic yeah like whenever I feel stressed I will like bring up henna (laughs) videos on youtube and it's just really yeah fun to watch
0: and henna's very talented as well she drew on me like I don't know what it was, but it was, like, floral with, like, spirals as yeah, well.
1: Yeah,
0: um... It was really beautiful. Thank you thank for you. doing that with me. The whole process took around... Three hours? Three hours. Yeah, but we hands. did talk a
1: lot. Yeah, yeah,
0: we did, yeah. <laughs> we, I even, like, watched Netflix at the same time, and we watched it together. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going to put myself out there. I've, I've said to my friends, like, let me know if you want anything done, um... I've been looking at the henna artist's works during Ramadan and it tends to be very, um, a lot of crescent moons and a lot of lanterns type of design. So I want to try and bring that into my henna as well, as well as floral designs because I think those are just really gorgeous and very, very feminine and pretty. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and my minimum price is $20. So it's quite reasonable considering... I, it's really good stain I make my own cones um, and it takes quite a long time to make and then there's also the skill involved so um, you really do get your money's worth
0: yeah you do that, yeah. yeah and it's perfect for like events um, yeah it's yeah you do have to
1: section off quite a bit of time to get it done though mm. um, you may have seen at like uh, festivals or market days they'll sell cheap henna. Um, that's it, like that's great and it's great that they're showing henna and it's really good fun. But it's not the it's not a perfect environment to have it done. You need to kind of take a few hours because mm. you have to let it sit as well. I let mine sit overnight mm. and it really gives the stain time to sit in and really darken
0: mm. for me I think of it as like a self-care yeah therapy session yeah and
1: like honestly because it's a way to feel very pretty and like really nice and beautiful without having to take the time to then wipe off all your makeup yeah. and like all this expensive product like it is it is pricey to make mm. it's quite it is pricey but it is It lasts ages, like one cone. I'm still trying to – I've only just started making my cones, so I'm trying to get them to be a consistent size. Mm -hmm. But one 15-gram cone of henna paste will normally do about kind of – it depends on how big you do the design and how many thick lines you do and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it can do up to 10 to 15 design Mm -hmm. um, hands, so – it really is worth your money
0: yeah and the fact that it's not permanent is something yeah
1: yeah um i was trying to do it in timaru which is where my mum's family's from and um i had a grandmother came in with her her two grandchildren and one one was a boy and he wanted a barbed wire in a tattoo on his leg (laughs) which was interesting um (laughs) But basically he wanted it because he was only 16 and he wasn't allowed to get a tattoo. And he wanted to try if that was the kind of tattoo he wanted later. So getting a henna tattoo was perfect for that. And if you give me... Because he gave me a bit of time in advance that that's what he wanted. I was able to go away and practice that kind of design because obviously it wasn't something I'd done before. Mm. So if you do give me that time with the idea of what kind of design you want, I can go away and practice. And I... Yeah... It it can be a way to see if this tattoo is something that you want permanently, yeah. Or it can just be a bit of fun with because I, I've, I've got henna on now, and this is something I'd never get tattooed on, but it's really fun to just have it on for a few weeks.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we talked about henna being a way to express our self-expression the importance of loving yourself so I have struggled with
1: my body image for most of my life um I was bullied quite badly in primary school for my weight and my looks and obviously that had a really big impact on my own image of myself going on later in life and um quite often it just kind of gets brushed off and like you'll grow out of it but it when it's when it's done consistently for eight years and you're so young it really does stick with you and um yeah so the last couple of years pretty much since I came to university I've been working on trying to love myself and love my body unconditionally and I'm at the point where, while I can't say I love every single thing about my body, I can confidently say every day, I don't hate anything about my body. And that's a massive step for me. And it it feels very, very, almost liberating. Like it's a weight, it's weight off my shoulders. And it's it's really, really nice. Because, and I have my bad days, as we all do. And I have my days where I don't want to see myself. But those are the exception rather than the rule now and cuz i used when i was in high school i i just used to look at myself in the mirror and i'd cry and i i don't get that anymore
0: yeah that is very empowering yeah. yeah and honestly
1: like you deserve to feel good in your body how it is and i do want to lose weight because i am worried about my health but that has no impact on my worth and i i am no less deserving of respect now than if i'm skinny i and like health aside i'm i'm no less i'm no less and um yeah and people don't always realize this if they haven't experienced it but people genuinely do treat you differently when you are overweight they do look at you differently um they do judge you and it can be really, it can be really demoralising to deal with, because um, I have my weight can go up and down quite a lot, and um, part of that is because I'm Irish, so my metabolism holds everything I eat. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, no. When I when I lose the weight, I always get told like, "Oh, you look so pretty now," and it's. And it's the it's the now that is insulting, like um, or oh you looking really good you're looking really healthy but mentally I was not okay, and obviously you can't tell someone's mental health by looking at them, but you can't tell
0: someone's physical health
1: by looking at them either.
0: Hmm. I really appreciate you sharing to us your journey towards self love. Yeah, and
1: yeah, honestly. It's kind of funny how it started because it started as an accident. I started (laughs) – because I used to do a lot of self-deprecating humour because it was kind of – because everyone was laughing at me for this and so I thought, all right, then I'm just going to laugh too because no one's going to stop laughing at me. So maybe it will hurt less if I laugh too, but it just made it worse. It really made it worse. And um, so I I flipped that and I started joking about – being really beautiful and and cool and sexy and then, whoops! Accidentally developed an ego. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, set positive self rem- yeah. positive reinforcement. I think it's a
0: mindset that it you have is. to reinforce. Yeah. yeah.
1: And like, don't get me wrong; it's a struggle, and it's been about three and a half, four years in the making to get to where I am, where I can say I don't hate anything on my body. And it it's hard and it's not linear and you have your days where you just cry and you hate yourself but you have but those days aren't those days aren't in the majority anymore for me and um yeah Hmm. no and it's it's so important just to each morning just kind of look at yourself and say you are fine (laughs) you are capable and confident and intelligent and you're beautiful or, and if you can't get to that point yet which is understandable and even if you don't believe it just say it and it will start to bring those ideas to the forefront of your mind and it will start to reinforce it because I didn't grow up I didn't you know I wasn't born believing that I was horrible and I was ugly that was pushed onto me through repetition over over years and so it's through that positive repetition that you have to break it break that cycle
0: yeah, I think it's really empowering how far you've gone yeah. through this moment. And we want to wrap up the interview by sharing your poem because yeah. you are a writer as well. And I also want the listeners to see your piece.
1: So this piece was written about two years ago at the end of my first year in university. Um, my journey to self-worth had, had been in the making, but it, this is kind of where it really took off. I'm four years old. My mother holds me tight to her heart. She looks at me with nothing but love in her eyes and she says, My darling, you're beautiful. I'm five years old and my new classmate assures me that it's not my personality people don't like, it's just the way I look. Shame points its, plants its poison ivy around my feet and nobody notices the salt trails down my cheeks. I'm six years old putting on my blue, ba- my blue ballet leotard and it's becoming clearer by the day that my baby fat is not baby fat. I tell my mother I will be a spinning ballerina. I believe I can dance away from the shame that follows me through the schoolyard. My mother holds me tight to her heart. She looks at me with nothing but love in her eyes and she says, my darling, you're beautiful and I almost believe her. I'm ten years old when the boys at school dare each other to kiss the pig and I'm told to ignore it, but music can't drown out shame and shame's poison ivy is growing fast. It has reached my hips, entangled my legs so I can no longer dance and I wonder how long it will take for it to suffocate me. I wonder how long it will take for the poison, the taunts, the jeers, the shame to cover my mouth, to steal my voice. My mother holds me tight to her heart. She looks at me with nothing but love in her eyes and she says, My darling, you're beautiful. I thought we should try this diet together. I'm fourteen years old, and shame steals my voice when a girl looks me up and down and tells me you would be so beautiful if you weren't fat, and I believe her. I'm seventeen years old, and shame's poison ivy covers my mouth as it covers my mother's, be- if it, as it covered my mother's before mine, and her mother's before hers. See, shame is a cycle that has to end. I'm eighteen, and I've had enough of this. Bullshit! I tear the poison ivy away from my body. I rip it from my throat and I scream, I'm sick of this bullshit. I'm sick of the pity in people's eyes. I'm sick of the pity in people's eyes. I'm sick of the pity in people's eyes. I'm sick of walking into a room and apologising for taking up so much space. I'm sick of existing in a world that demands I apologise for taking up so much space. I will no longer apologise for existing. I'm 19 years old. My mother holds me tight to her heart. She looks at me with nothing but love in her eyes and she says, my darling, you are beautiful. And for the first time in 13 years, I believe her.
0: Thank you, Hannah. That I, poem is
1: called Nothing But Love In Her Eyes.
0: Yeah. That really ends well with the whole interview. It really shows the journey of self-love that you had to go through. Yeah. And, to and if I'm honest
1: those those incidents that I wrote in those poems, those are all true. And they're not the worst things that happened. And the the shame is real and it is it's prevalent. And you know, you see today you've you've got the body positivity movement, but it is very selective in what it's positive about.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, companies will put out all bodies are good bodies and but then they will through visual, sorry. They will show you only a few select types of bodies where women are plus size, but in the quote unquote right places, and it's it's very clearly showing you. Even though they've got the words there, all bodies are good bodies. They're very clearly showing you what the good bodies really are, and it, it really does have an effect on you. Yeah. But it is something that you can overcome.
0: Mm. Thank you, Hannah, for being here today. I really appreciate you sharing this part of your life to our listeners. And is there a way that people can get in touch with you?
1: Um, like I said, through, mostly through my um, public henna account, G uh, 117 You can inquire about booking a henna appointment or you can just come and chat. I'm very friendly. I like making new friends. So,
0: yeah, come and have a talk to me. That is the end of our episode of The Arinality today. I hope you learned a lot about Hannah, about her passion for Hannah, and also her journey to self-love. If anyone would like to contact me, feel free to email aizalarena at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my Instagram at arenaiza. Otherwise, I'll see you the next episode. Bye! You've been listening to The Arinality on RFM.